Welcome to the Dig Endurance Podcast, where we are all about digging deep and discovering the power of emotional resilience. I'm Aaron, and I'm joined by my brother, Sean. As endurance athletes and business owners, we have learned a thing or two about facing and overcoming adversity. We are here to share inspiring stories from our guests that will help you to find that inner strength when you feel like you are running on empty. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Welcome back to the Dig Endurance podcast. Evan's here. Yay. Evan's here. We've been waiting for this for yeah. weeks. We tried we tried <laughs> sure. not one time, two times. Yeah. Evan denies it, but we did. Yeah. We busy tried attorney two times, life yeah, he's very, something like that. He's very busy. Very busy. Scott and Cade set the bar high too last week. So <laughs> I know, we, little, we bring your A game today. I'm yeah. a little apprehensive. We'll see what I can do. <laughs> yeah. So Evan is our brother in law. And he's married to our oldest sister, Lindsay. And Evan, how long have you had your law firm now? Um, I've had my own law firm for just about, when is it, we're in May? Oh, so seven months or so. Um, seven months with the law firm you have now, right? Yeah, yeah. like I said, so I opened my, my own law firm about seven months ago. Uh, I've been practicing family law uh, and civil litigation for two and a half years. I graduated law school in 2020 in the spring. Um, was working with uh, another small local firm here in town and then an opportunity <coughs> presented itself the end of last year uh, to branch out on my own and you know I think that's always always kind of been the goal um, I didn't think it would present itself as quickly as it did uh, you know we get just a couple of years in but it, but it did and um, you know talked about it with my wife and, and yeah. you know took the leap and it's been it's been a, a struggle it's been challenging. It's, it's been always fun. a struggle. He's, you know, he's we talked. A, we talked last week. The timing is never perfect for starting your own business. You just got to kind of do it. But. Yeah. He's got a great story. We're gonna hear it. He's gonna he's gonna lay it all out on the table for us. Uh, give us a, just a quick rundown. What's your community background here? What's your family life like? Just give us a couple minutes spiel on on where you're coming from and where you were raised and how. Sure, sure. So I I was. Um, I was born in Arizona. I only lived there for a couple of years. My dad was finishing um, graduate school there, his master's, and we moved to Texas, a small town outside of Dallas. That's where I spent most of my childhood, um, enjoyed my time there, and then we moved again for my dad's work here to Fresno just before seventh grade. Mm. So just before, like I said, if junior high wasn't difficult enough, why don't let's let's move you know <laughs> fifteen hundred miles across the country and. And uh, you don't know anybody, and then start junior high. So but still maintain the Texas fan base, right? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so then we moved here when I was when I was twelve. Um, <clears throat> been here ever since, mainly out kind of in Clovis, where my parents still live. Um, I spent, um, you know, went to to high school here locally. Um, did a little bit of time. I went to BYU in Utah for a year, about a year and a half, um, and then finished up my education here in, at Fresno State. Mm. So I got, like I said, I've, I've been married for, I should do the math, oh, 13 so. years, Four, 14 better years. Know. I was like, uh-oh, this yeah. is live. You better have that yeah. date yeah. back. Yeah. 14 <laughs> years uh, in December. Um, I've got three stepkids, um, Allie, Avery, and Sean. They're older. Uh, one of my stepdaughters has two children of her own, which makes me a grandpa, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> Wait, you're a grandpa? Yes. How you're old are you? This. Uh, <laughs> I know I want to point that out to the uh, listeners. Uh, I'm 37. 37-year-old grandpa. Yeah. 
So and Grandpa then Evan. <laughs> yeah, and they're great. I love it. You know, uh, Lil Wells and Scotty. We spent some time with them last week. It was fun. Then uh, my stepson is he'll be 19 on Sunday. Then I've got two little ones with with my wife with Lindsay. We uh, we have little Tucker who's six and um, Tice who is a little over a year and a half. So we've got the broad spectrum, um, but we love it. It's like I said, it's a unique dynamic. You know, Lindsay it's is the yours. oldest of all your siblings, yeah. you know, all all nine, and so that spans a large period of time. And so we've, like I said, I think our family dynamics a ton of fun. So two kids, that's cool. Three step kids raising two kids, while Lindsay's oldest is raising her two kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Tice is an aunt, uh, an eighteen month old aunt to her <laughs> niece who is just turned three. Nice. Yeah. That is so. We funny. are the American family. Yeah, they're all cutie bugs. <laughs> American. <laughs> they are. It's a lot of fun. So, you know, it, that's and, cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, you know, if you guys want me to dive right in, you know, starting from the family, being a stepdad when we got when we got married was uh, was kind of a, an interesting challenge. Yeah. That, I was going to say, it wasn't always. So, you just gave us kind of the summary, but it obviously wasn't, you know, no blended families. I, I, must, I mean, probably safe to say is obviously perfectly flowery. I mean, mm-hmm. there were some bumps along the way. So, tell us more about, you know, yeah, you, you you said how you moved to Fresno and whatnot, like, but meeting Lindsay, and then, you know, marrying her, and then and then kind of from there, yeah, it's like I guess dive more into yeah. that dynamic and just the challenges of you know taking on a new family and then just going from there. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, we met in two thousand seven, I think. Um, yeah, I had been selling home security systems or installing them at one point uh had come back to fresno and it's a 20 so you know i knew you guys mm-hmm. growing up you know yeah. through church and yep. soccer and sports and things like that mm-hmm. um and you know Lindsay was married before um and she got married young but and young enough that by the time i kind of knew you guys i didn't even know she existed it's just kind of funny. I thought you were the oldest Tucker child. That's funny. Believe it or not. I, I, act, like, I, I act like it. A lot of people think that, but <laughs> sure. Lindsay's in there too. Yeah. So. So I didn't even know she existed. And then I come back to Fresno and, and we're hanging out during the summer and uh, you know, hang, spending time with you at your parents' house. And then she comes along and, and um, I didn't realize there was an older sister and she's dropped dead gorgeous. And, and uh, you know, we had good chemistry uh, right off the bat. And, and, you know, like I said, the rest is kind of history. Um, but, but it, like I said, it's not without, it hasn't been without its struggles. You know, like mm-hmm. I said, you, you mentioned, I did kind of summarize where we're at now. And we've got great grandkids and, and, uh, and they're, they're sweet and wonderful. And, but the road has been bumpy. And like you mentioned, I don't think there's any blended family that doesn't come through or doesn't present its own struggles. You know, I obviously, like I said, I'm a, I'm a family law attorney. And so I see it firsthand. And I think yeah. that the struggles and things that I kind of faced firsthand have allowed me to offer a unique perspective to potential clients as well to be kind of look I, I believe it or not I know exactly what you're talking about I know how that feels and I know how difficult that can be and it helps me kind of offer a new perspective to them um, and even before meeting sorry just for a little bit even sure. be, even before meeting Lindsay I mean you had <coughs> tried some other things some other pursuits that didn't quite work out like you wanted and ended up coming come back to Fresno too a little bit right so I mean like yeah. there were some challenges prior to that and then like hey like meeting Lindsay and kind of like you know pressing the reset button a little bit in Fresno and then like you know that I guess that felt good at that time too but then like new challenges kind of come from I knew we started blended family yeah that, right yeah no definitely I yeah you know I'd I 
before I'd met Lindsay, you know, I had I'd spent some time in BYU, uh, at BYU in Utah, um, had come back home and and um, kind of did a reset, took some time off school again. You know, I was I was raised by my great parents and they, they taught me good values, you know, attending church and um, having kind of a you know good core fundamentals, um, you know, morally and ethically. And, um, you know, I, I'd lost my way a little bit. You know, made some poor choices, and I guess maybe just enjoyed my early twenties, like a lot of people did. Sure. Um, and uh, but then, yeah, I had the opportunity to, to kind of come back to Fresno. I think meeting Lindsay was not was not coincidental. Yeah. You know, it was a uh, like I said, I was kind of I was being pulled different directions, but I I, I was kind of lost. I didn't have a, a direction, and and this really helped kind of ground me here, got me restarted back into school and whatnot. And but then, yeah, it was it was a jump right in from one thing to the next. I mean, I said, she, she had kids and I had to become a stepdad at the same time. And I remember my mom told me, you know, you don't, you don't casually date someone that has children. Um, you know, we probably should have grabbed some tissues cause I'm a big sap and I know I'll cry eventually. <laughs> um, but, and, and so I, and I took that to heart and I said, you know, uh, I've got kids to think about here too. That's a different dynamic. I'm not just, get to be head over heels in love with this woman i've you know i I love her children i gotta support them and there's all other demands of me as well the moment you choose to to marry someone with children and um and it was a lot that's not one child one child that's twins and twins nephew yeah Twin yeah, girls yeah. and a nephew. We're talking Allie and oh, Avery. I'm sorry, my twins. nephew. Twin twin girls and a and a boy. Allie so. and Avery are worth like what? Six kids? <laughs> so maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, so they're not so not just inheriting kids, but the kids are a little older. Lindsay got, you know, pregnant really young. Mm-hmm. And so I mean they just took right to you and loved you right away like their own dad, I'm sure. Oh you know, yeah. Once, I mean once you got was, married, it, there was no testing or pushing the limits or anything. Just huh? flawless. Yeah, it was a Disney fairy tale <laughs> right off the bat. <laughs> Uh, no, that's how it is in my house. No, and actually, they were, they were great. Um, you know, it just, like I said, it taught me parenting much more quickly. Like I said I was on the accelerated plan. You know what I mean? You don't, I, I, yeah. I don't, you don't get this brain and this body to mold every step of the way. You know what I mean? You jump right in the middle. That's like, a, you know, like I said, if there's a river running by you and you just jump right in, you don't start from the beginning. And mm. so, so I'm trying to find my place where I can, you know, step in and, and share some influence and teach but not overstep bounds because their dad's still totally in their life and mm-hmm. he is and they share time and mm-hmm. so i've got to know my role um you know it, it was it was such a tough balance and there's i think it's the hardest job and like i said this is insight that i share with my clients that i think really helps i think it's the hardest job like in the world you know what i mean to become a step parent to have to balance that and especially then once i started having my children you know children of my own there's a big gap um you know, in between that, but, but to balance, okay, this, this child's kind of my biological child, this one's not, and I have to know and balance how I handle the situation. It was a lot. It was, yeah, it was it a is lot. A lot. I think there's two dynamics, like, and I'm not a stepdad, but this is just my observation, just come out what you're saying, is like, there's, you love them like your own, so there's mm-hmm. just, you know, you love them, and, and I, I feel like I would take that same approach. I mean, it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to love my stepkids any different than my, my actual kids. I mean, 100%. To me, it'd be like they're my kids. But then there's still like, just like with any, you know, parental relationship, there's, you love them, but you also like, there's the discipline and like the, you know, like um, holding them accountable. <laughs> and that, yeah. what that makes me think of is like in running a business, there's times where, you know, everyone has someone they report to, you know, or like who's truly their, you know, boss or whatever. 
but there's also like crossover where like certain roles have to oversee other roles and, mm -hmm. and follow up with them. And if, if you're never truly their boss, the follow up is always sucky for those people because it's like, well, you're not my boss. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't have to get that to you today. Yeah. I don't need to get that to you next week. <laughs> you don't really have the power to. So that person then basically has to follow up with the boss, who then has to follow up with that person. That's almost what it makes me think of, like with a step parent, yeah. because it's like it happens. You're you're not really in the yeah. position to, <laughs> like, you know, you're you're walking the middle ground of like I can't. You, you do love them, and because you love them, you want to coach them, you want to train them, or you want to you know you want to raise them. But like, I'm sure there's times where like you hit that wall. You're like, I want to tell you I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you yeah because it'll probably strain things more than not it might might upset the kids might upset you know uh, yeah, real dad, dad or dad you know, whoever, whoever. Yeah. I mean yeah. there's a lot of things to consider mm -hmm. so yeah I'd, I uh, I couldn't I probably don't think I could do no it's that. yeah I, I'm telling you it's it's crazy difficult and and uh, yeah sure I mean I'd I was told you're not my real dad. I can't tell you how many times, you know, hmm. and that's, that's of no, you know, the pressures, I say my job's so difficult and it is, but again, more that I've learned in, in my line of work, the focus should be on the kids and it's, it's unbelievably difficult for the kids too, you know? And so, so I said, I don't fault them for anything that happened. I created a lot of my own problems as well um, in our household and our dynamic and things like that. Um, but, but like I said, it was great. I mean, I, I wouldn't trade it for for anything. Obviously, I mean, it had. I have so many learning experiences, and parental, you know, experience that I've gained from doing that. that sure, I think helps a lot. No, and and to clarify, I mean, you know, Allie and Avery and Sean will probably end up watching this at some point. So we love you. No one's trying to fault you, um, but at the same time, <laughs> there are there are real things that have to be navigated as part of this mm -hmm. dynamic. And so, I mean. I feel like anyone, I'm sure, would experience that in, you know, in your shoes and what you're going through. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's also worth saying, it's not like, we, at the time you married Lindsay, so she's got older kids, it's obviously your second marriage, uh, her second marriage, your first, and then, I mean, you haven't, you know, you're still building your life. Like, you, you know, you're still navigating or building up to what you wanna do, what you wanna become. So it's not like you're doing this, like having like, you know, I don't know, arrived in your career yet. Right. You're also doing this like, you're going into this like with, hey, I've still got whatever I decide to do, school, work, and everything else still like to go. Yeah. That's a pretty heavy lift. I mean, even if it's just a, for, for any going into traditional marriage, <coughs> blended family or not, that's a heavy lift. Yeah, I don't ever but, remember but I, hearing I, But I feel like on top school. of that, you know, you've, you've inherited some kids or some stepkids and you still have life to go yeah, and decisions life. to make yep. so like what where goes you know where where'd the trail go yeah. from there and dip into some of that yeah so uh it was it was difficult um trying to navigate that because you like you you think you have this perception of what life's going to be like you know what i mean let's find the woman i love let's get married you know we'll work our way through getting careers and having children and kind of managing all that you know i don't know that that's kind of my perception of what i thought life would be and obviously meeting Lindsay and seeing that change you know, or knowing that my kind of path was going to change was um, was not a rude awakening, but I mean, I had to make adjustments quickly on the fly. You know what I mean? I had to kind of change what I was going to do, but at the same time, I knew I needed to be productive and and provide for my family. Um, and it was hard. They said, you know, I've got middle schoolers, 
and I'm still trying to navigate working through, I'm trying to remember the timeline of it, you know, my bachelor's degree and things like that. You I'm, know, where I'm tripping out that Xander's starting middle school next year <laughs> and like he's, I didn't, I'm not even thinking, I'm like, think about it right now, he just started off his marriage with middle schoolers and I'm like tripping out that Xander's starting middle school next just year. Just getting like, into it. Yeah, that, anyway, go yeah, on. No, and so, so it was, it was a lot. I was trying to juggle a lot of things at once. It was, it was stressful and again, it was as much as I thought I prepared myself for it mentally, emotionally, it, it was, it was more than I could handle. Um, we, you know, I was, uh, let's see, I finished my undergrad at Fresno State um, and was- In what? Uh, in mathematics. Okay, so you were gonna be a teacher? Yeah, the goal was to be a teacher. Um, I'd always enjoyed math. I had done a couple different things. I'd looked into a little bit of account accounting, uh, you know, with your dad, a, yeah, a yeah, potential, yeah, yeah. you know, opportunity. Realized was, how boring, boring as heck. Yep. Yeah, no, I did. I went on one audit with him, yep. uh, uh, and he just sat in a room with binders stacked around him, like yep. it looked like Scrooge McDuck. They love you know, the binders, and, yeah, and I love just them. didn't speak to anybody for twelve hours. And I just yep. do it. So, uh, but I like, you know, I like numbers. I like math. So I, I went. I got my degree in math and was going to teach, um, and and then I kind of was, you know, during this time while I was finishing off school, um, like I said, I, being a step parent was really tough for me. And I didn't handle it the way I probably should have. Mm. I mean, well, I know I didn't handle it the way I should have. Um, I, I got into drinking. Um, I got into coping with the stresses and frustrations, you know, through alcohol. And so that was an outlet for you. It was, it was obviously, you know, one of the most unhealthy ones. I, you know, I didn't, I had run in high school, I played a bunch of sports, I was a good athlete, and I was always active, and I just slowly kind of lost that desire. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you know, I don't even know where that happened, but, but yeah, for whatever reason, I turned my coping to, to drinking. You know, it's, it's obviously, I mean, it, it's an easy way to do it. You get to escape, you get to go numb, you, know, you kind of just ignore your problems thinking they'll go away even though they mm -hmm. don't. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. it takes forever to learn that they, they don't. They don't. <laughs> you just kind of beat your head against the wall until change happens. But but that's what I did. And and like I said, I made our family didn't have it much more difficult. What, you know, as much as you feel comfortable sharing, I mean, like, I just, because I, I feel like we made a little bit of a, of a leap there. So, I mean, like, what, what was frustrating at that time? Like, what was eating at you? What was the stress? I mean, like, what was the stresses? I mean, you're, you're in school. You know, you've got a young blended family, you know, some teenagers you're trying to raise as a, you know, or, sh you know, shared raise as a step parent. Um, what, I mean, what are the things that are, you know, I don't know, going on at that time that kind of really made you stressed out or contributed to that? Yeah, that yeah, moment? well, I think you nailed it on the head. Most of it, it was, it was, again, it was a lot being a step parent and it was just trying to, um, Again, I think I had a perception of how I was going to raise my family, and quickly realizing that that dynamic was not going to be feasible in a blended household, mm. um, and and so I was struggling with, um, you know, just teenagers in general are, are super difficult. And then, like I said, to be a step parent to teenagers and to know, to know when I can say something, when I can't say something, um, trying to, you know, again, kids are expensive, and I'm still here working through my bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting so tables, financial. you know, yeah, financial yeah. struggles, um, you know, like I said, waiting tables, working jobs as much as I could. I was refereeing soccer and lacrosse and just filling up the time as much as I could. And I was just being stretched thin. Um, and it's not just financial. It's also your time is split a million ways. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to give your time to your kids, but you also got to work. 
and you know you've got trying to go to church you're you know going to go to school so it's like you feel like you're being pulled see i can relate to this anyone can i think that's you know going through school and raising families you know we talked about starting families young um one of the challenges i feel like is you just feel like you get pulled a million ways mm -hmm. and then what, what ends up happening is i feel like the pendulum swings too much one way starts to feel good in that one area but then like it's usually something on the on one on one part of the other barks at you to like oh, mm -hmm. oh you've You've left me too much. Uh, you know, you come back this way, and then you go back that way, and it's like I, I, I'm suffering over here. Whether it's school, whether it's home, whether it's church, whether it's work. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean so you're that, accountable for so, all of these. So, things like a little too. bit of that, you a little know, bit of that's going on. Serious um, things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, like I said, I, I, you know, put a lot of responsibility on myself uh, as as the dad and the father figure, and you know, and how long you married? In the house. How long are you married at this time, ish? Like <clears throat> give or take. Uh, I got married when I was 23, so this was right around. I mean, four years or four so. Four years in. Yeah. And then, like, had you and Lindsay talked about, like, you're starting your own family or, like, what you, like, is that part of, is that even in the consideration at this point yet or, like? Yeah. No, we, we had wanted to start a family um, rather quickly. You know, that was part of the conversation was, you know, uh, Sean was four. Yeah, four when we kind of were, were dating. I think he just had turned five by the time we were married. And so we didn't, we wanted to grow our family and have them still be Close. closer in age. Yeah. Uh, and so, so we had, yeah, we'd wanted to grow our family. It, it wasn't happening, um, which is obviously, like I said, another huge stress. But, but yeah. You, you just know. got, so you've just got like a pyramid going on. You've yeah. Got, you've got, yeah, I mean, teenage kids, you know, um, wanting to have kids of your own. And that's, that's not been happening for a few years. You're working all over the place. You're still school, in school. Money. Yeah. You've got financial challenges and, you know. All that's just like pulling you different ways and piling up. And yeah. the drinking. Yeah. And, yeah. and then drinking is kind of the out. So those are the stresses. Mm -hmm. And then the drinking is kind of the, the release and like the, the outlet on that. Yeah. And I, you know, yeah, I just, I had always been really successful in pretty much everything I'd done. Uh, you know, I, I, was, I was a good athlete, good enough athlete, you know. Uh, always did well He's in soccer okay. or basketball. He's an okay athlete. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm better now. Thanks, thanks to coach. Thanks to coach over here. We don't need to put out race times or anything yet. But uh, maybe we can get to that. Evans tomorrow. faster than both of us. We'll <laughs> say it right now. For now. For now. Um, but but yeah, I now I, this had kind of been the first real adversity I had faced. Again, I was a, I was a good student. Uh, I went to BYU on a partial scholarship. You know, I, mean, I never had to work hard in high school at mm. studying. You know, it just, it always came natural to me. And so then now when I'm in this situation where all of a sudden I have to work hard at something or I'm not succeeding like I'm used to, it just, it, I think it really derailed me. And then I get on top of six or seven other directions I'm being pulled and I'm putting pressure on myself to do, to just be as successful as I'm used to in every aspect. And it's just impossible, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and then again, I don't, it's social pressures or familial or, you know, religious or, or whatever it is, you know, that's what I had built up in my head was I need to be successful at all these things I need to and I can't I just got to keep going we talked about this last week See, to me that's and I can relate to it I'm not I'm not nailing Evan I'm this is what I was gonna as perfectionism I need to be successful at all these things you know it's got to be right I, I, everything's got to be right if, if not and this is where I've had struggles or breakdowns of my own or like you know you talked about anxiety attacks or whatever and just it, it, for me, it has kind of been born of in the past of like, you feel like it's all piled up. And once you start to really buckle into that feeling of like, I'm not really doing any of these things and I'm used to doing all these things well, I feel like not to minimize what you're talking about because sure. I feel like any normal person listening to this can 
totally relate, including Sean and I here. But I also feel like if I'm if I'm hearing it right, unless you correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a little bit of added pressure from yourself based on your own expectations or your own past performance oh, yeah. that uh, is on yeah. top of all those things. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, and and it just it got to a point where, you know, I, again I was I was feeling things start to crumble around me, and and so instead of facing them head on or acknowledging that I wasn't as great as maybe I thought I was or I needed help to be successful in these areas. I said I just kind of, kind of turned to drinking instead of, you know, to escape as opposed to facing, you know, the challenges head mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And I said I, I was still I was still young, you know, 20, 26 or twenty seven at this point or wherever I was, you know, late twenties and, and, you know, had just again jumped into a family. I didn't have a ton of life experience. I went from being a young early twenty year old kid, being you know, making foolish decisions to like stepdad real quick, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so <laughs> and so I didn't. I said I didn't have a lot of adversity to to build from and this was just like all at once inundated me um and so so yeah so i i you know i i became an alcoholic and uh and it just spiraled and it got worse um you know i was you know like you said i had these expectations and i, I wanted to provide for family and do well and so i felt like if i were you know continuing to have a job that was kind of at least good enough you know i, I was i was just barely doing the minimum, um, but was totally absent in the areas that I know now are more important. You know what I mean? I wasn't, um, I wasn't, I wasn't there for my, my stepkids, uh, like I needed to be, you know, emotionally and, and, uh, around their home and and showing them what, you know, a, a dad or father figure should look like in our home and what a husband should look like. Um, because I, because I chose to drink and be absent I said either physically or mentally and emotionally. Um, Without you being too hard on yourself, I, I mean, and I understand where you're coming from, but you know, the, the reality is, I think, you know, a lot of a lot of dads, probably all of us, can also say that, you know, um, that I feel like, especially as I've gotten older as a dad, that uh, you get so, you get, you know, you get so into like the providing mode mm-hmm. that like you forget that part of the providing is the raising yeah like you're so focused on just like making the money having the job you know like um uh you know working and and kind of being the i guess the provider in in the physical sense that you forget to like uh be emotionally and you know spiritually uh accessible Mm -hmm. and um you know so i'm not again i'm not trying to i get that you're saying like with the alcohol and stuff you felt like that made you more so but i I guess I'm just highlighting that, you know, I think, I think that's just a challenge also that sure. dads, you know, like myself and Sean and others just fall short of in, in, in general. And, um, I mean, I, uh, the good news is the fact that you even say that out loud means you're aware of it. So that's, that's a good thing because I think there's a lot of dads and parents who don't really truly ever become aware of yeah. that, to be honest. <clears throat> so I think it's a good thing that you even recognize it. You know what I mean? So world's crumbling. <clears throat> We're drinking. Yeah, Let's so, well, you know, like I said, to touch on what you said, Aaron, is I, I don't mind, like I said, I get emotional because I think of the thing of, of just, you know, because I'm an emotional guy, I guess. I think, but I don't well, mind, this, and I don't mind thinking about those things because they motivate me. You're packing in years worth of stuff into a 45 <laughs> minute podcast. So, I mean, it's, I think it's normal to feel <laughs> emotion. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but like I said, I, I use that as, as motivation to think about the things that, uh, you know, that maybe I did poorly without pulling myself down. But, 
but you know, t- anyway, so I'm to move on. I was, like I said, drinking. Things are falling down around me. Um, it all culminated again. I, I was, I was a functional alcoholic. I, I was able to finish school <coughs> miraculously. Show up to work on time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, check. I, you know, I lost a couple jobs, but I've always found a new one. Is what I always say. You know, um, and I was able to. Like I said I brought home money. I was, you know, able to wait tables and. And like I said, came to a head one afternoon. I was helping my dad again, you know, drunk as could be. I was helping him build a fence, and um, was traveling home from my parents' house back home. And uh, I got an accident. I rear-ended somebody, and um, you know, and that was kind of. Well, you'd like to say that was kind of your rock bottom and a turning point. In actuality, it wasn't, but that that started the process. Um, you know, I, all of a sudden I'm in legal trouble and I've got a DUI and mm. um, I've got to handle all that that came with that. Um, and and so on in, top of all the other stresses, it's just yeah. another thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and that was a tough point um, for for my wife. You know, because she had done the best she could to basically raise four kids i mean she had her three kids and then she had me and she had to babysit me a lot you know um my wife again, says the same thing yeah i, I you know i felt <laughs> like like i said i'm there and i'm providing money and i thought that was fine but then i don't realize everything else that my wife is doing she's making up for everything else that i'm not providing mm. you know what i mean and so then now all of a sudden you know evan's in legal trouble and and you know spent a night in jail and and then i've got to find a way to to get this under control it's not hidden anymore this you know my addiction is is out in the open and i need to figure out because my family's suffering my you know financially we're still struggling you know i don't have a goal i don't have direction i need to figure something out um and so like i said that started the process i i was i was facing some serious uh consequences um you know i I had had years of practicing drinking and so my tolerance was high. I had a blood alcohol content and and just all these um, aggravating factors Mm. and I was facing, you know, serious consequences and um, my attorney said, well, you know, let's let's put you on an ankle monitor. Let's, uh, you know, this will help give you credit so we can keep you out of jail essentially. I mean, Mm. I was looking at jail time and he said, um, this, you know, monitors your, your blood alcohol uh, through your sweat and you can get credit for this, do that. Well, you know, typical addict fashion, I just felt like the rules didn't apply to me. Mm. I just, I was like, whatever, you know, I'll keep drinking, this is fine, we'll figure it out. And so, and so I did, <laughs> and I kept drinking on this monitor and it would, it would submit it, all these results. And finally one day my attorney calls me and, and he, I can't even remember the words he said, but he basically was just like, are you flipping stupid? <laughs> I was like, I've got all these reports back, and you're sitting here still drinking. I said, we go to court in five days, they're going to send you to jail. I mean, you're, you're a menace to society. You're, you're, you know, you're going to be out there causing problems. The judge is going to put you away. And, and, I just, and that's when like, my world kind of stopped. And I was just like, I can't go to jail. Like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I knew I had a problem drinking, but just like, I'm like, alcohol is legal. You know, I mean, I guess what I'm doing with it's not, but... It just didn't seem, I'm like, I'm not a criminal, I'm gonna go to jail. Mm. And, and so he offered the opportunity to get, he said, you know, if you can get into a program, you might be able to avoid some jail time. But he's like, we're talking about a serious program. You can't go to a 30 or 60 day program, even 90 day program. He's like, mm. you need to find something serious because you want to avoid legal problems and because you need help. Yeah. And he told me that. And, and I said, you know, you're right. And um, luckily with his resources, um, I got into a program, the Fresno Rescue Mission. 
I think it was Tuesday when he made the, when he called me. By that Friday, uh, I was in the rescue mission, and my hearing wasn't that following Monday. And so, like, I got in that afternoon, like the last bed, um, mm. and it was <laughs> again, it was a whirlwind. I, I talked That's to my typical addict fashion too. Yeah, just the last. We always find a way teeth. to do the right thing at like literally the last ten yeah, seconds, the twelfth mm. hour, before the consequences come slamming down. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> like I said I was fortunate. Um, but it was it was a huge decision. I mean, again, those couple of days were whirlwind. I had to kind of get my work schedule or work situation figured out. They said they'd hold their, my my job for me. Um, you know, and my wife and I had to talk. I was this was an eighteen month program. Again, I, I wasn't allowed to be in a short program. And that meant you had to be in that residence for a year and a half that whole time. Right. So it's it's an eighteen month inpatient program downtown. Um, they did have the last six months was a transition period where you weren't in the facility you were living in an apartment but again run by the program yeah um you were able to work and you know get get a job the the whole year you were you were inpatient i didn't get to leave you got some visits on the weekend eventually once you earned them so for one year you could not work correct and you have a family and you had to be away from them but then you also like couldn't even really provide the way you normally could <clears throat> mm -hmm. and you only had some visitation during that year yeah, and that, like I said, and that was one of the scary things that my wife and I were talking about. I said, look, I, you know, she was working as well. You know, she, we were working to, to make ends meet. I mean, again, I, you know, I didn't have a career yet at that point. And, and so we knew that the numbers weren't going to add up if I wasn't working. But she said, you know, you need to do this. I want you to do this. I sat out with my parents, sat down with, with you know, Lindsay, your parents. And, w and we talked about it. And they said, look, this is what you need to do. We'll help take care of your family. You know, go do what you need to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I'm just I'm forever grateful for the people that made that happen. I needed I needed to do that. We talked about yeah. having that's a, your circle right yeah, there. We talked about having a, a tight circle and uh, certain people that you know. Obviously, parents I think tend to come up often in that circle, but obviously yeah, in a situation like that, that was yeah huge. So that's yeah because I again it, it was not in in my understanding of you know, how to keep my family going, this wasn't right. It's, it's counterproductive. You're like, let me, let me go away from my family. Let me not provide for them. Let me be away from them for a year to actually help provide for them. You know what I mean? I yeah. knew I had to do it. But I mean, like to stop there a little bit, well, actually finish. So you said for one year, it was inpatient. And then for the next six, the six months after that, you could start working. Yeah. So I you could, still had to stay there. Mm -hmm. gotcha. Yeah. So I still had to live at, they had an apartment facility um, that I had to live at. And I was able to work. So you go to work, but you also had to check back in every night. Um, you couldn't leave before a certain period of time. You had to be home by a certain period of time unless you had a specific work schedule. You had to come in and check in with the kind of the house manager that ran the apartment complex, make sure you're not coming home drunk or, or high or anything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so it was, it was I said, the same kind of restrictions, but I just had the freedom to now go work. And so, again, I'm living in the same city as my family in an apartment, like, away from them, trying to, like, continue to take care of myself and it was just it was really hard did you have a phone away. in the last six months did like I a cell phone? phone i think i did yes i i was right. but i was a, it was a it's one of those like government funded phones okay. even yeah. still i'd you know a year and a half i mean where you're really not sharing truly like living space with your spouse your kids i mean that's it's a lot of time that would drive yeah. me in so it, it's I a mean, long time Again, I, I spent one night in a holding cell, so I haven't really been in jail, but it reminded, it, it probably was close to jail. That's what a lot of the people told me that were in there that had been in jail. I mean, I was just in a big room, a bunch of bunk beds with 68 other guys, you know. For a year and a half. 
Uh, yeah, for the first year. Yeah, the second half I was able to get, get an apartment split with a couple other guys. But, but yeah, you're just in a, you know. And uh, it was it was something else. I mean, I was able to, it provided me the opportunity to be able to, like, like I said, step away, to re- let the pressure go of having to provide for my family, having to know what to say or how to say things to my kids. I, I, I let that go and trusted other people in my circle to help keep that, mm-hmm. that running while I was gone, which was really difficult. Um, but it allowed me to be able to, like I said, refocus myself, dig back into, you know, uh, reading my scriptures, focusing on, you know, my Savior Jesus Christ and my religion and my foundation that I had grown up with that I'd lost along the way. And it provided me that opportunity. I was able to recenter myself. Um, I think I, you know, I think I succeeded in the program as well as, um, you know, as kind of a, ended up being almost a mentor there at the program to yeah. other other guys. It was a great experience. Um, and again, it afforded me the opportunity to become sober to be able to have uh, essentially another chance at life. You know what I mean? I, I, I had some pretty dark periods of time there. Um, where again, I, I was meeting with my attorney while still going, still finishing up, uh, my legal battles. And, and I just, I broke down to him one time and I just I said, I, I feel like I'm going to be relegated to far less than what I thought I was capable of. You know, I have these dreams of being a teacher or being an administrator or, you know, these lofty things I was getting, you know, I was good in school. And then now I've got this record and I've got legal problems mm-hmm. and and I I couldn't even become a teacher. I couldn't get my credential in the state of California because I had a felony in my record. And so I'd have to wait for three years for probation to get that you know expunged and all that. And I was just like, I, I'm gonna be waiting tables, trying to provide for a family mm. for the rest of my life. And it yeah. was such a breakdown. And and then he said to me, you know, he said, I get it, I'm, it's scary, it's tough, but I just, he said, have you ever thought about law school? And I said, I said, well, did you hear what I just said? Like, I can't even be a teacher, you know, because yeah. I've got a felony. What are you talking about yeah. going to law school and be a lawyer? <laughs> and he said, he said, you find the law is a pretty forgiving industry. Yeah. Um, you know, you just, you will have to take care of your, you know, your legal stuff, your probation. Law school will afford you the time to do that, to kind of let your, let that play out. Um, you know, but what about why don't you take the LSAT and see how it goes? And I just, and I, just him offering that opportunity to me just totally like lifted my spirits and just gave me a new perspective on opportunity that mm-hmm. I could do. Yeah. Um, and it, it really, it really helped. And so I'm trying to remember the time frame. It was probably late spring when he told me that. Um, and then I wasn't, so I had to finish out the rest of the program. I was in the inpatient till, you know, for another eight months or so. And, uh, and then as soon as I could get into the apartment, I was working and I started taking some LSAT books and mm. reading through them and, and found out I had about you know, 30 days before the next LSAT, which was the last one you could take before we could get admitted <coughs> into San Joaquin. Um, and that was the, that's the local college, the law school here. I, I didn't have the opportunity to go elsewhere. I wasn't yeah. going to be able to go anywhere else. And so, um, so yeah, I, I just, I took that opportunity and that thought and I <coughs> held on to it and I ran with it and I said, I can do this. And you know, I'm smart enough. I could figure this out. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and so, so I, I, I took the LSAT. You know, I don't know, you want me to keep running into? Yeah. Okay. So I, so yeah, so I took the LSAT, um, got my results back. And, you know, as I kind of talked about before, when I had gotten my, my bachelor's degree, I uh, was drinking a lot during that time. So my grades suffered. I was able to get my degree just barely. Uh, but my grades were not good. 
and um, C's get degrees. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> I, I made it, so it worked. And uh, and I remember um, knowing that I needed to do well in the LSAT to kind of compensate for that because it's it's kind of a two pronged thing. How well you did in undergrad, how well you did in your LSAT mm-hmm. increases your you know chances <laughs> of admission. And so I just I knew that I needed to kind of kill the LSAT, and I did I did really well. Uh, you know, well enough, like I said, to kind of offset the poor grades. And I remember talking in a 30 to, day span studying. Yeah, yeah, wow. and that was a tough that was a tough test. Up until that point, that was the hardest test I've ever taken. Obviously, the bar has has now superseded that. <laughs> um, just that little test called the bar. Uh, but but at that point, I mean, it was tough. It was hard, and and like I said, I'm just grateful that I was able to focus as much as I could. Yeah, and, and got into law school and started that fall in 2017, I think. Yeah, um, and then so. Come out the pro. So okay, you get this kind of this bit of advice. You pursue it in 30 days. You study for the bar, or sorry, the uh, LSAT. You pass it, or you you get a good enough score on it to get into the college, San Joaquin College mm-hmm. of Law here. Yeah. You get released from the program, and then where what from there? Yeah. So yeah, again, it was it was a whirlwind couple months there. I I was yeah got released from the program. Was able to go back home. Um, back and live with my family, and it was it was incredible. You know, it was great to be back sure there. That felt nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was. You know, again, I had been absent for a long period of time though, and again, my my stepdaughters were in high school. Um, you know, I think I think they had just kind of started high school when I went into the program. So again, I missed you know basically a year of normal home time. Again, I'd yeah. see them on the occasionally on the weekends. So just like surreal going back into the house and living. It was. There. It was. I I don't. Just like what on earth? I haven't really rethought about that time when I came home. I mean, I've done a ton. That had to long stints, nothing like that. But even good. even thirty, sixty days, I was just like, yeah. I'm almost uncomfortable. Well, I am uncomfortable in my mm-hmm. own house, and I didn't like it. It was. It was really I hated it. Yeah, it was, like, was tough. Freaking house, man. It was tough getting, getting back. I mean, like I said, I, you know, the beginning of the program, I had a forty-five day blackout period where I couldn't speak to anybody. Like I said, I, when I checked in and said bye to my family that Friday afternoon, I didn't talk to them again until 45 days later you know they just assumed everything was okay and and so then coming back home and trying to assume that role was <coughs> was tough uh again See. and that's what we learned a lot in the mission was look eventually guys we're all going to be back in the real world we're going to face all these stresses we've been living in a bubble in in this, right, in right, this right, right. program and so yeah. we're really limited on the amount of stressors and expectations and things that we're facing and we're getting sober and that's good yeah. but now you're gonna have to take everything you learn and move out into the real world where now everything starts bombarding you again. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so it was, it was tough. I mean, I had to, I had to work on my sobriety. I had to stay on it by going to meetings, going to celebrate recovery, again. And then, he said, and everything, everything that I left was pretty much there waiting for me. Yeah. You know, financial obligations, um, <laughs> you know, he said, raising stepkids, things like that. Not, you know, wanting to continue to grow our family. Uh, it's all waiting for you there when you get out. And and on top of that, I got to maintain my sobriety. I got to work on my recovery. Now I got law school. And it, it was it was a lot. It took, I mean, it took a team effort. You know, my parents helping a ton. That support system, that circle yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. were talking about. Um, you know, my in-laws helped a lot. And it was, uh, it just law school was crazy. I, again, I was working at a restaurant, um, just one at the time. No, when I came out, I, I had two restaurant jobs. I was working at Macaroni Grill in California Pizza Kitchen. Uh, Lindsay was still working at Clovis West as an instructional mm-hmm. aide. She'd been doing that for, at that point, about, 11 years um and uh and so we we were like ships passing in the night um you know i would i would you know go well she'd work in the morning um 
I'd stay at home, try to study as much as I could. Then she'd come home at lunch and I'd switch and go work the day shift at a restaurant and then come home about 5.30, go straight to law school to from 6.30 to 9.30, then come home, do some homework and go back, go back to bed. Oh, and I meant to throw in there. Do you um, have a driver's license? No, no, I, I didn't have a driver's license. That's true, good point. Um, yeah, so obviously you get DUI, you don't get your license. So I, I was getting rides around town as much as I could. There was a period of time when I was refing lacrosse that I, I rode the bus. I had a binder with me of all the routes because this was, I think, I mean, obviously we had smartphones. I don't think I had a good one um, yet, you know, and so I was just working off bus routes <coughs> in my binder and yep. I would take bus routes. I would ref yep. lacrosse games in Edison and Hoover and then, mm. you know, I was just, I was, we were making it happen. Um, and I would ride a bike. Eventually I got a bike. I think you got me into triathlon first or maybe I was riding, I had been riding the bike first where I was like, I got to do something. I can't, I need to find, you know, a little more reliable modes of transportation. And so I borrowed a bike, a road bike from a friend of mine and would just ride everywhere. I mm-hmm. rode, I rode to CPK. That's what our, I remember. Yeah. Rode CPK. Riding everywhere. Park it in the back, you know, where the dumpster is and would work. And then, yeah, even to the summer, which was awful, mm. you know, cause I'm riding the bike back home and in the middle of the heat at five 30 in the afternoon and a whole black outfit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Black shirt, black pants. Um, you know, scarf down some lunch or scarf down some dinner and then ride to class. We and have, then, we have, we have, limited time but i want to make sure that we you know your story is really good and from the so from the time you come home um you know back and so you've kind of touched on some things you're, you're back into work some obligations are still there waiting for mm-hmm. you you went into law school right got accepted so talk about uh, you know as much as you can condense but but i don't want you to rush it too much but um you know where does where did you go from from here i guess from where to where you are now you know, coming out of the program to where you are now, give us that kind of Cliff Notes version. A okay, little. so um, so yeah, law school, like I said, was was the roughest probably four years of, you know, aside from being alcoholic, but just like obligation-wise. Yeah. And Lindsay helped me along the way. I mean, we look back at those times and we just kind of laugh about it now because, oh, and I forgot to mention, um, we did get pregnant with our first child. Yeah. So Tucker, oh, Tucker was go. born in the fall of... Oh, of 16. Yeah. So, so again, that's crazy. So yeah, the first year of law school, we, I have, we had Tucker. You started to collect some, some wins, some little wins. Yeah. That's yeah. What, it that's was, what started happening. Well, and it was, again, it's, and there's no coincidence that I get out of the program and then we have our first child, you know, it was seven or eight months later. You know what I mean? It, when I'm sober, when I'm ready, you know, I, I think the Lord, hundred percent, it's divine intervention. The Lord knew I was finally ready to have a family. Yeah. You look back at it now, I, I wasn't ready to grow my family. I couldn't. I couldn't handle the family that I had then. Yeah. You know, and That's so, good, yeah. Good so point. again, I'm starting to get some wins. Getting into law school. Interesting works. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah, interesting. Not, not I believe in them. divine timing 100%. Yeah. And so, like I said, these wins start stacking up. Getting into law school. I've got great jobs waiting for me when I get out. Um, you know, we have, we have Tucker. And uh, it made first, like I said, the first year of law school tough. I was working a couple jobs, a couple restaurants. Um, I was also cleaning offices at night. I was actually cleaning this office. This office yeah. at night. When, I forgot about that. That's when, awesome. Uh, when Gerald was here, when when your so, dad was so here. So three jobs <laughs> with a bike, a new kid, newly sober in law school. Yeah, and still going. And working two restaurants. Okay. Right yeah, we had Tucker seven days after I started law school, and so that made for a fun first year. It's the hardest year. It's like a literally. It's just like a filtering period. They just they weed you out as much as they can. Yeah. And so that first year, I'm dealing with a newborn 
three jobs. Lindsay's got a job. Stepkids still, you know, they're getting older. They're getting middle of high school, and, and it was just a lot going on. Um, graduate. Get Yeah, get through law school, graduate. That must have felt good. Yeah, I mean, it did. Another huge well, win. And, of course, but it's like right as, as COVID's come out. So we didn't even get a ceremony, so that was kind of frustrating. But, no. but yeah. You know, I we're watching you virtually. We were watching you. Yeah. We did. Yeah, we, we had that, for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had a virtual ceremony. You know, and again, that was that was a little victory getting through law school. But but we all know that just getting your law degree, right? Being a JD doesn't do you any good. Right, right. You got to pass the bar. Um, and so I that remember, I remember Evan Newport. We'd be all at the beach having fun, and all I remember is Evan for like two summers with the cards, with his huge law book thing, I the cards, and his cards on the beach. And I'm just <laughs> looking at that like, put the cards away. Goodness dude. gracious, that just looks terrible. What like are you doing like torturing himself on the beach, right? Well, and it was again. <laughs> COVID kind of threw a wrench in it. Normally, the the bar test was like when we're on our Newport trip. Yeah, I would have. I was scheduled and ready to take the bar when we were on our vacation. Then it gets kicked back because of COVID. So instead of having taken it being done, I'm sitting there studying still. Yeah, like I said, and and again, and I you spent, want it to stay fresh. You don't want to like <clears throat> study and then let it all go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, I realize I have a couple extra months. <laughs> no, I yeah. You can't let it lapse and then try to pick it back up. So yeah. so my studying period just got elongated. And again, when you're studying for the bar. Most people, 95, 97% of people don't work either. I mean, it's, that's your full-time job. You're trying to cover 13 subjects, yeah. um, some specific to California, some, you know, national, um, you know, nationally covered. And, uh, and so you've got to stay on top of it. I studied in the office where you're at now, Sean. I spent months studying in there every day, it's eight to five. the best office in this whole office. I, I, well, for sure. I think maybe I made it that way because I studied for the bar there. But I remember the January 7th, 2021 was the night the results came out for the bar. And that was the day, like I said, if I'm going to get emotional about anything, that was probably one of the days. Um, because you just, you log on after seven o'clock at night or whatever it is. And so I knew all that day, you know, the whole day, so I was just waiting they on your chest. They make you wait until yeah. 7 o'clock at night. Yeah, I'm just supposed to be productive. I was working as a law clerk That's at the firm here up. now, and you just know it's coming, and, and <clears> it, <throat> it was it was so tough to, like, finally get home and be normal when it's just waiting. And so I remember finally sitting down at the computer. We log in, and, and Lindsay was next to me, and you just – you, the screen refreshes. I'm hitting refresh over and over again. And I'm waiting. I'm like, it's 6 o'clock. I would totally do the same thing. Oh, my thing. gosh. You know, and, and then finally it pops up, and you get those four little letters, P-A-S-S. And I just, and I just died. Oh, I mean, I just. Dropped I, to the ground. Oh, my gosh. I broke down into tears. was sobbing, ugly tears, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I, you know, I, I called, um, called my stepdaughters, and I called my parents, and I called your parents. And I just, it was, I mean, it was. Such a culmination of years and years of work and trial and adversity and tribulation and resilience to overcome all that to finally like, get get that, that so affirmation. How, how many years from car wreck to passing the bar? Uh, car wreck was the end of 2014, beginning of 2021, so just over six and years. We, lest we overlook one tiny detail... <clears throat> Who was the judge that swore you in as an attorney again? Who was the judge? So, yeah. So, the judge, uh, Brian Alvarez is his name. He was my judge. He, he was a good and fair judge uh, <laughs> when I was going through my criminal stuff. I mean, like I said, the facts were what they were. I, you know, there was no arguing what I did and sure. my blood alcohol. But he's the one that, you know, sentenced me and, and you know, presided over my, my case. When you and got then, in the accident. The DUI stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, when I got in the accident. And then, so... 
once you pass the bar, you have to be sworn in by a judicial officer. It can be another attorney, it can be a judge, you know, anybody that, that you want. And and I reached out to his office and I thought it'd be pretty neat to have him swear me in yes, as cool. an attorney. And so I reached out to him and I talked to him and he, he did a little research and kind of remembered my case, because again, it had been years. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and he, he kind of remembered my name and who I was and he was honored. Uh, and so we met at his office uh, or in his chambers. And so how did that feel to be looking him in the eyes to be sworn in instead of sentenced? That probably felt. That's yeah, a, that's a full yeah. circle. It was really cool. It was yeah. really cool. It's a he great probably like that too. I'm sure he loved it. And he said, he said, this is one of those. He's like, this is why I do what I do. You yeah. know, because so many times <clears throat> being a criminal judge, you see recidivists who continue to make poor choices, and they're back in front of him constantly. And he said, I see people come back. You know, into my courtroom all the time. But for you to come back in my courtroom under these circumstances is why I do what I do. Well, and for you to reach wow. out to him, for you to reach out to him, think about how many people resent the judges that sentence them or probably view them as that was unfair or this or that. You know, to the, you know, humility to reach back out and, and to view him, you know, the way you did, I think is, that's a, that's not an easy thing. And that's a, that's a mature and a grown thing to do. Um, I mean, I'm glad we've, you know, how do you top this story for, I don't know. for, for digging in? This is this is going to be one of the Hall of Fame dig stories. I yeah. feel like this is a tough one to. That's why we want to come, and I love it. It's such a good story. All of it. So like, in the, and we have a few minutes remaining. You know, we've got we've got the full story. I mean, you well almost. You then you got your you got your you know got you passed the bar. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you're an admitted attorney. You know, worked uh, you know in a, a firm here locally for Justin Harris, who we all know, great guy. Mm -hmm. And and then opportunity came to be able to, you know, uh, take on a firm which you've been doing now for the last you said eight months, right? Yeah. And now you get to work with families that are going through, you know, what it's like uh, family law, right? Mm -hmm. So their own struggles, things you've gone through yourself. Yeah. So I mean, I, I. I want to chime in on some things that I want to make sure I, I highlight really, really briefly. Sure. And then I have some questions for you and Sean can chime in briefly too is, I feel like, I mean, just obviously just, I, I don't think you can speak enough to just like resilience. I, I, I don't even think it's, the, you know, we've offered like um, tools, you know, things that you um, can do. Sometimes you just, what I took, you just gotta hang in there. You just gotta freaking hold on and hang in there. I mean, that's not, and that's, I'm saying it, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Sometimes there are no tools. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there is no, you know, hey, do ABC and it's all gonna, I feel like there's a few times there where it's just like, yeah, this is hard. And you know what, Evan? You're gonna have to go through some crap to get, to, to climb out and to go through it. And I feel like for most people in this situation, that's where they would have, tapped out tapped and out. they do and that's what's so sad is so many of these situations with you know alcohol whatever else that you know that they they unfortunately do you know stay remain the victim and they do tap out because that's the easy that i mean i don't know if i'd call it the easier route i actually would probably wouldn't use that word but it i think you get what i'm saying it would require mm -hmm. a lot of work to do what you've done but you did and like so i mean i think there's just something to be said that like hey like you got to hang in there. You just got to have like deep, deep grit and really dig mm -hmm. in and just hang in there. And then on top of that, though, we have talked about some things that I see it in his story, which is like you you had we talked about failure uh, one or two podcasts back and just the role that it plays in the whole grand scheme and how it's just a necessity to the overall trajectory of, you know, climbing life and doing life. 
I mean, you had some big ones. You had some real hard stumbles and some real hard falls that you've described. But um, I feel like the moment when even when I was just watching you talk about it, you could tell you lit up a little bit when you like law school. It was just like you had this goal and, and credit to the attorney who was talking to you. I don't know what his name was, but credit to a person that's like, hey, Evan, Evan, <laughs> redirect. <clears throat> it's not over. Just redirect. Okay. Like, I think it's so, and I talked about this, like sometimes you hit rock bottom, you hit the ground and you just think like, oh my gosh, the world's ended. And it's like, Evan, <laughs> the world is big. Mm -hmm. There are other things. You have other talents and skills. And it's just like, oh yeah. And then it's yeah. like, and it's like, you, you're just like, okay, law, let's check this out. 30 days study. And then like, we talked about momentum and then you, you do well in the LSAT. And I'm sure that in that moment, even if you didn't go through law, that was huge because that was a little bit of momentum and a tiny little win that was like, yeah. hey, I've, I've still got this. Like, I've still got mm -hmm. some juice in the tank. I am a smart person. I'm a capable person. You know, I'm in a tough spot right now, but I just studied for and passed the LSAT in 30 days. Yeah. <coughs> That's something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it definitely felt <coughs> good because I, I remember um, Jeff Hammerschmidt was the attorney's name. And I, you know, I said, he, he's got a great reputation. I think a lot of it has to do with managing clients. And he's, he's seen people in that spot that I was in, I'm sure hundreds, thousands of times where you feel destitute, you feel, you know, just broken down, you have nowhere to go. And he was able to bring me up through it. And I, I remember the phone call from the admissions department that I made. I was, I, I was riding in a car heading towards like River Park. And I got her on the phone and, and I said, you know, I think she got my LSAT results first. And then so she told me and she said, I can't remember how she worded it, but it's something along the lines of like, you know, wait, have you, you know, have, have you taken the LSAT before? Or are you, you know, she was, she was kind of maybe surprised at the results because I think she was looking at my grades from my undergrad. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm a sharp kid. It's in there somewhere. And she said, well, you know, you did, you did well. You're, you're in for sure. You know, yeah. I, didn't even, I didn't have an admission letter at that point, but she said, yeah. no, you, won't, you don't have any problem getting in with that yeah. LSAT score. Yeah. And I just I remember that. Like I said, that was like some of the best news I'd had in a long time. I prayed so long. I said, you know, I just said, Heavenly Father, get me into law school. Just let me get in. And, <laughs> yeah. I, and, I, can, and I promise you, yeah. I will take it where I need to go. I'll finish yeah. the rest. <laughs> and so it was. Yeah. My, my other thought is, like, it's so easy to sit there looking at an attorney you know, a, a businessman, a teacher, whoever. And I think, you know, we're so, we're just going through so much like, you know, life that's like, you kind of just like your visual of people is like, oh, you know, they're accomplished. You know, they, they're just, you know, they, you know, I think you just kind of have this picturesque vision of what it looks like to get to that journey, mm -hmm. yeah, which has not been your journey. And I think it's probably not for more than we realize for people. Yeah. yeah. But like, I'm hearing all of it too. And I'm, my other thought is like, you know what, like, what a, freaking cool attorney i'm just like if i had to choose and i've got i've got option a who's you know maybe maybe it's someone who is squeaky clean and and it just kind of made their way through life past the bar and, and now they're doing family law whatever but if i'm in a crunch and i'm you know in spite of the mistakes you've made the things you've done and i'm like a dad in a tight situation or something and you know or maybe i'm struggling with alcohol and that's affecting my familiar relationships I'd rather work with Evan than probably lawyer A. So would I, <laughs> you know? Well, exactly. and I have, I've had clients where they, they said they've had specific instances where I can, I can relate and I can say to them, you know, like I said, we, we keep in boundaries. I've said, look, I know hundred percent what you're going through. Your baggage has literally become your asset. 
Yeah. Yep, Wasn't our country song a little mud on the tires? On the yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I just, anyway, those are some observations, some takeaways that I have. I don't know if you have anything further to add. I, I have one final question I want to ask Evan. I'm just going to make close. a statement. I think it's funny addicts, alcoholics. We talked about this maybe a week or two ago. We have the tendency to do things wrong in order to like subconsciously motivate us into doing great things. It is the mm-hmm. funniest thing. I'm at least I am that way. And I'm not saying you purposely did that, but we always like find ourselves like and it's beyond your, the 11th hour. Like you put your back against the wall a little bit. I mean, now it's, it's time to It's perform. like all dirty tests. Mm-hmm. You're going to jail. Okay, I'm in a program 10 minutes before court starts. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then okay, now I'm an attorney. Seven yeah. years later. It's yeah, like, like, oh, what? I got to take the LSAT I, in 30 days? Let's do it. <laughs> you know? For some reason, we really, really push the envelope. But I, I know a lot of people like you and I that just, everyone has their different version of success, but they find it. And they've got a great story, and they're great people with a great heart. And it's, I, I thrive among people like that. I love it. And that's it why I do what I do. That's why we do what we do. You know, yeah. so I, that's, a, <clears throat> that's my takeaway. I just, that, you know, I love that. Yeah, and I think it motivates me. Like I said, uh, that's why I enjoy what I'm doing now. Again, I did a little more civil litigation when I was with Justin. Um, and, and I think maybe just the nature of, of that part of law is much more slow moving. And, whereas you've got, in family law, you've got much more definite timelines, you know, where you see results. And, and so you see these people, they come in and, and you know, the, kind of the slogan on my website is steadfast advocacy in your greatest time of need. People come into my office and they want a consultation and they, the things that are most important to them, you know, their family and, and their, you know, their property and children and those things are, are crumbling down around them. Mm-hmm. And, and so they need help. And, and I said, I've, I've got experience I can draw on to help them with that. Yeah. They'll build them up, you know. <laughs> and I'm great. sure when they say things like what you were through, like, it couldn't get worse than this, you're probably like... <laughs> Actually, yep. yeah. Actually, <laughs> we'll save it up for another. Yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. We could talk. You know, listen to my, my podcast. My closing, my closing question is this, and you take you take the time you need to answer. I don't want you to rush to this question, but we'll we'll end it on this. Okay, Evan, today, okay. What would you say to Evan seven eight years ago, or anyone that's in that similar situation? What would your advice be? What would you, just what would you say? Well, I think I to, think to what it. yeah I think what you said, you know, resonated when you said sometimes you just got to hang on. You know what I mean? We've got there are tools and there's coping mechanisms and there's um, you know resources and family support and things like that 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 we can help and utilize um, when we're coming you know, when we have struggles. But but there's gonna be a lot of times in life where you just you say you just got to hold on. You just you have to push through and and have some belief and faith that things are gonna get better. Like I said, you'll slowly start building up wins. Um, things will start to snowball on themselves and, and change will come, you know, as long as you, you know, as long as you get out of your own way, you're not creating more problems. If you can stop the problems you're creating, which again, I was, I was creating my own problems for however long. Finally, it took, you know, the threat of imprisonment basically <laughs> to kind of stop that. And I was kind of coerced into it. But, but once I got there, I stopped getting in my own way I stopped giving myself hurdles and then and then just just kept moving forward I don't know like I said I don't know maybe because we're in the office moving yeah. forward you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're big fans of keep moving yeah, forward right. yeah right and so um, but but that's that's honestly what it was I just had to keep going like I said the, the hardest part that I could have gone into more detail with law school was I mean I, I didn't see my wife for like 
four years. You know, I mean, I did a four, the four-year program because I had to work. Um, and we just, we would laugh. We would, like I said, we would literally just pass each other at night and, and say hi before bed. And then she'd leave in the morning where I've still got books laid around me while I'm sleeping, you know, or waking up. And, and, but we just kept going. I mean, they were there at that point in law school, there weren't a lot of wins. I mean, it was just, it was just hard, it was just freaking hard. And, and we just pushed through it. We, we said, look, let's just keep going. We've got a light at the end of the tunnel. It was definitely added some pressure on me. I said, look, I've got to make this law school thing work. Like I prayed for it. The Lord gave it to me. I got to make it happen now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I got to be successful, but that motivated me and we just did it. And that's why, like I said, that night when I saw those four letter, those four little letters in the word pass, I mean, it was just like we had been white knuckling it almost for, yeah. for four years, yeah. just great. cleaning offices and it, and it paid off. Um, there you go. So yeah, sometimes, like I said, sometimes you've got tools and you've got things at your disposal. Sometimes you just got to, you just got to keep going. Well, Put your head down and keep going. If there ever was a, uh, a story for digging in, <laughs> I think, uh, I think we've Evan, got, got, one for the, got one for the ages today. Yeah. So, and then I, I, I hate, I hate to have to do it, but I do have to give him credit. He's, he's qualified for Boston. Oh yeah. yeah. He did it before me and you. By 10 minutes. I know. Evan's, Evan's fast. Another he's win. also, he's also an, an endurance runner and, and one that <clears throat> is very good. And Sean and I hope to be able to catch up to you. I'm working, I'm working on it. We, good. We, we, Please. We've, been, we've been plagued by a couple injuries here, but we're, we're, Evan's given us a goal to chase now, so we can. <laughs> I'm purposely giving you guys the advantage. You got six months. Surgery's Monday. You got about six months. And yeah. You're, you're luring you're, us into then, this false, you're both behind. false right. sense of security. That's right. I've been I've been fortunate. Like I said, I haven't, I haven't had to deal with injuries. <laughs> had a great coach. Worked hard. It's it's been tough, but but yeah, that was again that was another rewarding journey. Was was running, running my first marathon back in the fall of 2022, maybe when it was or 21, yeah. Yeah. And, and just. I said working six days a week, running every morning, super early in the rain, in the cold, in the heat. Yeah, working towards that goal and Nothing then achieving like it. it. Yeah, that's the best. Feels good. Stuff. Well, thanks for yeah, uh, thanks for the story. Thanks Evan. for joining us. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, yeah, I have a feeling we'll be seeing you. <clears throat> yeah, appreciate. It. Thanks for letting me put it all out there. Thanks for joining us, man. <laughs> yeah. Till next everyone. time.